This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 819. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing review and preview all in one big bundle this week because it's a hectic week as we build up towards a big UFC show this weekend. We are in Las Vegas on location for UFC 296, but don't worry. We've been keeping across everything that's going on in the world of boxing, and that is why the podcast is slightly late this week, because of the Sunday night boxing show and us travelling to Las Vegas on Monday. So apologies for that. Thank you so much for your patience. But we are here to talk all things sweet science. Before we get stuck into it, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. All the audio feeds are there for you. And we're also on YouTube. And we would like you to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we are trying to grow uh, in that space. Fight Disciples on YouTube. This week, it is going to be polluted with MMA uh, content because we're doing our daily diaries whilst we're out here. We're also going to be in and around everything that's UFC 296. So we're going to be getting stuck into that. So there's going to be a lot of MMA content this week, but there's also over the next couple of weeks going to be a lot of boxing content coming your way. One of, one of which is this, this podcast right now. Uh, we are going to preview in this show, Bam versus Sonny. Super fight that was on our wish list mega, mega, mega. way back in January, and it's here uh, to kind of finish off the year, even though we still have Inoue versus Tapales, which is going to finish off the year properly. Uh, and with Saudi. The, with the undisputed fight. And there's the madness of Saudi as well. Yeah, but that's before that, isn't it? That's 23rd. It's all good. <laughs> right. Anyway, yes. Uh, but we're going to look back first and foremost uh, to the weekend's action just gone. And my man now. He's going to sit here and he's going to say, I told you so. In fact, I can say I told you so because I said that it would be a schooling. Yeah. I said that it would be a one. It looked great on paper, but it would be a one-sided showcase, one-sided masterclass from a guy that you tipped years ago to be a superstar. And at the weekend, I think he actually evolved into becoming that superstar that you thought that he could be. Yeah, I think when we tipped him, obviously you went to a female and I went with Devin Haney a few years ago. The big conversation is that they, these two could go on and do incredible things, and they both have done. They've both already claimed undisputed status early in their careers, and we're just getting started with them. But I think what we saw from Devin Haney at the weekend in that move up to super lightweight, taking on Regis Progray, putting in a performance like that, a 12-round shutout. Mm -hmm. Not only that, dropped Progress in round three as well. Made him look very ordinary. Made him look anything but world-class. Let's just be clear here, Regis Progray is a world-class fighter. Devin Haney is above world-class. What's above world-class? I would say pay-per-view. I would say a pay-per-view megastar. The ability to be... Well, the words I'm looking mm, for are box office. That's interesting. He's a box office yeah, star. That's an interesting take. And I think that's a level above world-class when you become box office. That's an interesting take. Because, listen, we both said what would happen at the fight at the weekend, right? Yeah. And you're right in what you're saying. Regis Progray is a high, high quality fighter. You've only got to look back a couple of years. Two-time world champion. Well, you've got to, you've got to look back at... We, we rate Josh Taylor extremely yeah. highly as well. Absolutely. But those two were in an incredibly competitive fight. 7-5, I think I scored it in Josh Taylor's favour. It was close. That at the weekend was not competitive at all. No. We predicted it. Yeah. But to actually see it play out, it's like, geez, it really wasn't because of one man. And that one man was Devin Haney. He was brilliant. Range control, jab, shot selection, just everything about it. The way perfect. that we said last week that he would not fight on emotion. No. Nope. Didn't get involved, just stuck to the game plan. Even when he's dropped the guy, 
doesn't chase it. Rocks the guy again, doesn't chase it. And that, my friend, is why I'm going to throw up a question as to whether he is box office and whether he is pay-per-view. Because this is an entertainment business, isn't it? Correct. Now, we are lovers of... Not lovers together. We are lovers <laughs> of the sweet science. We can absolutely appreciate what Devin Haney did at the weekend. But what he did at the weekend, I think, only appeals to the hardcore boxing fan. Maybe very similar to what Sonny Edwards might do at the weekend. It only appeals to a certain type of boxing fan. Does it appeal to the casual audience? Does it grab them? Does it grab the mainstream and go, this is the guy. This is the fella. Come and watch this fella. Javonta Davis is knocking dudes out. He's stopping dudes. Yeah. He's giving you viral moments. He's living in your phone for 30 seconds. Ah, and we're all going, woof, who's this little pocket rocket, man? Mm -hmm. He's the guy. Yeah. Is Devin Haney doing that? That's where my question's at. I love, don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing shade on him, mate. He was awesome. Absolutely phenomenal. He is maybe the best yeah. at 140. But is he the pay-per-view box office rocket that, he sh that his talent deserves to be Will it cross over into the mainstream? That's a really good point. I hope it does because, I, you know, it's the sweet science at the end of the day. It's the art of be, of hitting and not being hit. I know what you're saying, but you'd also talk about Javonta Davis at his age, at the peak of his powers. Whereas I think there's some growing to do yet from Devin Haney. I think he's eventually going to be a welterweight and maybe the knockouts will return then. He has only got a 50% knockout ratio when he's been up at this level, this championship level, this undisputed status level, now moving up a second weight division, I agree. Maybe the knockouts aren't coming. But when you're putting in shutouts against two-time world champions, that, you know, okay, a lot of people came with us and, and, and believed that it would, he was a little bit made for Devin Haney, and that's how it proved. But still on paper, it was almost like a 50-50 fight in terms of talent, ability, yeah. age, you know, everything else. So he had it all to do. And he absolutely delivered on that. Now, the comparison I wanted to make was about, funny you've chose Javonta, I'm thinking more Shakur Stevenson. Shakur, as talented he is, would put a glass eye to sleep. But I can't take my eyes off Devin Haney because the level of competition he's doing it against, I'm fascinated by. He's making Regis Progray look like a club-level oh, fighter. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Shakur did it against Oscar Valdez. We're talking weight divisions below. Yeah. And Oscar Valdez is that two-time world champion that you've just been talking about. You know, you th that was a big unification fight. And Shakur Stevenson that night was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. I feel with Shakur, but I could say the same thing now about Devin Haney. They, they both won those fights in third gear. Devin Haney did not have to get out of the third gear at the weekend. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's where the age and that... Right now, it's about being mature enough to get through tough fights with the least amount of damage, and they're both doing that. Maybe the next stage in their development and their career and their maturity is to have the maturity to be able to do that when it's right. required, but pulling the trigger right. when you need to pull the right. trigger. Well, answer me this then. Which one of those two guys is nastier? In the ring, which one is the one that when they sniff blood, goes for it? I can't remember the last time I seen Shakur stop anybody. Yeah, well, listen, you're, you're probably... Neither of them Neither of them are the Davis, blood in the water, and I'm going. No, you're probably still drunk on that on the last fight that Shakur had. Even by himself would say that that's an absolute stinker, and he didn't, he was he poor, did, yeah. he didn't deliver on that particular night, and I'm sure there's better days ahead for him, right? Yeah. 
And maybe this, what I'm about to do is a very un unfair comparison because we're talking about a well-rounded, mature fighter, multi-weight world champion, multi-time undisputed champion in Terence Crawford. One of my favourites, right? Beautiful boxer. Everyone's favourite. Goes off the right foot, goes off the left foot. He's yeah. absolutely sensational. What okay? is he, 36, 38? But he's, a, but he, he, he's consistently, even though he outboxes people, he is consistently looking to finish the fight. Yes. He's looking to take them out. That's what makes him excited. Because nine times out of ten, he'll do it, he'll, and he'll, he'll deliver that moment. Shakur, for me, I think, if you take his last performance away from it, granted, I think he is that type of dude where he is looking to, especially when he steps up, with the Oscar Valdez fights and stuff like that. He's looking for the finish. He's looking for that. Devin at the weekend, and again, it feels like I'm throwing shit. I don't want to throw shit because it was awesome. Absolutely. Like I said, everybody watching this is a proper boxing fan, I am, I, I'm assuming. Yeah. And you were sat there in awe going, whoa, man, this is just awesome to watch. It was brilliant. I'm, I'm trying to think like that mainstream fan, the person that you know isn't necessarily a boxing fan. We're trying to make the sport bigger. Come and watch the guy. They saw a guy drop a guy yeah. and take his foot off the gas. That's what they saw. They then saw a guy rock a guy, take his foot off the gas. What I'm saying is, is that if Shakur Stevenson does that in a fight, he'll finish the fight. If Terence Crawford do does that in a fight, yeah, I believe that. And if Terence Crawford does that in a fight, he finishes the fight. Yeah, I completely agree with Terence Crawford. But you don't... Okay. But I right. don't necessarily agree with Shakur Stevenson, though. I think it's Shakur Stevenson and Devon are in a very similar place. I actually so think... Does Javon to go through the gears? I actually think right now, but maybe it's because I'm drunk at the weekend, I believe Devon Haney can become a bigger star than Shakur Stevenson. I've flip-flopped on that one. That was the point I was trying to make. I think Devon Haney is the future of boxing, not Shakur Stevenson. I feel like he's, he's moving into the weight divisions and has the right dance partners to take over from Terence Crawford, Usyk, Inoue, whoever you've got at the top of your tree, Canelo, all those guys are, you know, Inoue not necessarily, but the other three guys are, are really coming to the twilight stage of their career. I think Devin Haney's big moment mm. could be fighting Terence Crawford, right fight, right time, passing of the torch. He could beat Terence Crawford. Again, it ain't happening anytime soon. But I'm saying down the line, that could be the fight that makes Devin Haney and takes him to that next level. I'm looking at dance partners in and around lightweight, mm. super lightweight and welterweight. Mm. That could put Dan Devin Haney on a completely different level. Oh, there's no doubt. Because he's doing that to Regis Progre. I want to see what he does to the rest of the super lightweights. I want to see what he does to Boots Ennis, to Ortiz Jr., to maybe even one day Terence Crawford. Those are the dance partners that make Devin Haney the biggest name in boxing. And I can see that now. I could see how that him and Bill could structure that and how that can play out and, and genuinely become a reality. Right now, I think the, the, the fire has really cooled on Shakur Stevenson. I think enough people have watched enough fights and have seen him go enough distances to kind of go, okay, it, with him, it's about will he ever fight Tank? That breakthrough for him was maybe Tank because Tank's a big star. But Tank, Tank is a finisher. Mm. He has got that appeal. But he's, this is the best he's ever going to get right now. And he's a bugger for dodging fights, as we know. Whereas Devin Haney does not duck fights. No, nobody can argue with a resume since the uh, Gamboa fight. He's absolutely picking the right guys, getting us all excited, putting bums on seats when it comes to the matchups. But are we getting money without pretty? It's very pretty. 
No, no, no. I'm talking Money Mayweather, pre, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd. Sorry. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's two different, there's yes. two very different styles of fighter there, isn't there? Correct. Pretty Boy Floyd knocked dudes out and he was nasty. Yes. Then he became a pay-per-view star and he went, right, okay, the sellable factor here is me being undefeated and yes. schooling these motherfuckers. So that's when we got money and we got the flip. But we did get the nastiness. We did get the spitefulness, yes. early doors. The win over De La Hoya. All that. With Devin Haney, are we just going straight to the money version? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And I think that's a longer game. Because, listen, I, watching him at the weekend, I'm thinking, who fucking beats him? Yeah. Now, you know that I'm high on Tiafimo. I think Tiafimo's more exciting to watch than he is. And I'll stand by that. But that is a very difficult jab to get around. Yeah. Especially when he masters range with his feet so beautifully well. He's defensively so sound. But he also, at times, stands in the pocket. And you think, he's there now. Correct. He's there. Go. I'm going to hit him. And then you try and hit him, and he's pelted you with three or four. Yeah. And he's gone. That is so, so, so difficult to beat. And I'm trying to think, who's the, who is the guy? And I, I, I can't come up with a conclusive answer of all the ones that I want him to be matched up at 140 with, who would beat him. So therefore, legacy-defining fights, Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, Tiafimo Lopez, Shakur when he eventually comes to 140, these types of names. You can even throw, I mean, I'm a big fan of Matthias. I know that he doesn't have the glitz and the glamour, but he's fucking an absolute bull in a china shop and he's knocking dudes out and all that type of carry on. Yeah. These type of fights, if he comes through all them unscathed, then all of a sudden you're marketing him like Floyd Mayweather, aren't you? You're going, this guy's unbe you can't unbeatable. Be you can't beat this fucker. Mm -hmm. And then you try and have a dance at 147 with the Jaron Ennis's and the Ortiz's if he's still about and all, the, all those types of characters. I, I, I think there's four or five fights for him. I don't want him to go to 147 straight away. I know they were talking about it at the weekend. Don't go to 147, no. man. Stay at 140. Yeah. And I, he, he genuinely has the ability and the mindset and the ice-cold thoughts when he's in that ring to beat every single one of those fighters that we're mentioning. He, he could be that guy that, that does the undefeated thing, yeah. undefeated thing like Floyd did. Yeah. I, I honestly, I was... Even though we called it, even though we kind of predicted it. Oh, it's mesmerising when it happens. I was like, mate, you are so good. You are technically so sound. And, you know, we did call it, absolutely. He, he does cause, cause a shitstorm. Him and his dad caused chaos. But once that bell goes, once mm. that ring goes in, he, it's like he's just got the cheat code. Yeah. And for Regis Progre not to win a single round, you know, when you look at, listen, Tiafimo was outstanding against Josh Taylor, but Josh Taylor had moments, Josh Taylor had yeah, moments in that fight. Did, yeah. Regis Progre didn't have a single moment in this fight. There wasn't a single moment where he landed anything of note that made you jump up and go, okay, here he here comes, okay, here he's found his range, okay, he's landed a big, sh he didn't land jack shit in 36 minutes of boxing because Devin Haney was that good. I, as soon as I watched it, I watched it live in bed, literally on the iPad, in that moment, I was, I've got to watch this live. And in the end, usually in bed, you're half asleep, you're eyes, I was literally sitting up, and I went right back and did started that, watching did it really again round one. Yeah, did that I, I start, really happen? I didn't happen? watch the full thing against it, but I went back to round one and was like, he's just cruised in third gear yeah. in a proper fight, in a proper world title fight. That, for me, shows he's a little bit special. What is he, 25 years of age? Mm. Mate, the world is his oyster. And I, and I genuinely be, believe right now that one day Devin Haney will be the face of world boxing. 
Where, where does he rank on your pound for pound now? I'm just he's, he's top five now, hundred percent. He's made the top five. And then the five. The the, the top five is probably um, Crawford, Usyk, Inoue. In no particular order of Usyk and Inoue. I've got Crawford at number one. Usyk yeah. and Inoue joint second, if you like. Um, you know, Canelo still commands some respect on his name. Okay, what about the guy that beat him in Bivol? Well, the, the reasonable respect on Canelo's name is Canelo was daring to be great as a former multi-weight, welterweight, light super welter, light middleweight, whatever you want to call it, middleweight champion. Yeah. Daring to be great to try, and super middleweight, of course, daring to be great to try and become a fifth or sixth weight world champion yeah. was on Canelo. Bivol's in his natural weight class, so I don't class Bivol beating a much smaller guy as testament to him being in my top five rankings. So I would probably still keep Canelo in there. But after what I've seen from Devin Haney, what the eye test tells me of Devin Haney moving up to a weight division in a truly competitive on-paper fight with that kind of performance, I'm like, yeah, man, he's top five for me. I can't argue, I don't think. Because I'm, I'm looking at them lower weight categories. We've got a great fight this weekend where maybe Jesse Rodriguez could actually enter that conversation. Yeah, maybe. If he can beat Sonny Edwards, given the fact that he's beaten the rung of size of this world in, and he's been up in other weight divisions and he's won championships in other weight divisions. Maybe Jesse Rodriguez could start to enter that conversation. I don't know how far down the line that goes, but given the fact that he's done, what, Gamboa, Linares, two Cambosas away from home in Australia, Lomachenko, up in weight and beating Regis Progre, yeah, mate. Come you're on, probably man. right. He's probably he's probably sitting number five at the moment. Yeah, the pound for pound list has to be fluid. It has to be based on not only what have you done for me lately, but what who you're doing it against consistently. Mm. What kind of performances are you putting in consistently? Mm. And you can cast as much shade on Cambosas as you like, but Cambosas still beat up Tiafimo Lopez to become the champion. Hence the reason why he ended up with that belt. And for Devin Haney to go down under and beat him again. When you look at when you compare it to Lomachenko, compare it to Regis Prograde, with all due respect to Cambosas, he's not on their level. But Tiafimo Lopez is on Devin Haney's level and he beat Tiafimo. So I just think right now, you've got to be some kind of Devin Haney hater not to have him oh, yeah. in in your top five. Certainly in your top ten. He's definitely in everyone's top ten. I personally think he's in the top five. What's the one fight at one forty you want to see? Um, Tiafimo with Devon yeah I'd like to see Tiafimo Lopez I'd like to see a good tricky strong southpaw like Jack Cattrall in there as well um, I think there's a couple of good fights out there um, the most exciting one Barbosa's a good fight Liam Parrow who won on the undercard at the weekend the undefeated Australian mm. he's a talented kid there's good defences out there for him. There's legacy-defining defences before he goes to welterweight. You go to welterweight, yeah, man. there's a there's basically there's two fights out there. There's Boots and there's Crawford. It's too early for Crawford. Crawford is still the master. He's still the number one. If I'm TF, if I'm it's Devin not even Haney, that. It's not even that. I have no problem with making that fight for him. No problem. But this division's legacy, it's massive. Yeah. Don't leave 140. Ryan Garcia, there's money in there. Mate, that Serious is money. silly money. Matthias Ramirez is still hey. around as well. Ramirez one, only got one loss on record. 140 could genuinely change the face of boxing. Yeah. And the way that the casual mainstream audience consume the sport. I think if these guys get this right and they just round robbing the living daylights out of this, we could be in for a real treat at 140. Yeah. You mentioned it last week, didn't you, about four kings. 
Eight kings now. Now becoming eight. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. They all start finding each other in multiple fights. Mega. Over the next two to three to four years. Jeez, man. We're in for a bloody hell of a time. Incredible. Phenomenal performance. Might be... Listen, it's going to be in the conversation at the end of the year for the the performance of the year. There's been some belters. Yeah. You know, Lee Wood's put in some good ones. There's been gotcha. some other ones in there that have done some good stuff as well. Yeah. But that is... That a masterclass. Was, that was bloody special to watch, man. Yeah. Regis Progray will never be the same fighter you watch. He'll never be the same fighter. Mm. Because he's just gone in there in a fight that he's he wasn't even competitive in. And he didn't expect that. In a 30-fight career to be a two-time world champion. 30 fight veteran, only ever lost him once before in a close fight with Josh Taylor, mm. to then take on a guy from the weight division below and to get absolutely schooled in the manner in which he did. Could easily have been pulled out. Could have been a mercy stoppage at any stage of that fight. Yeah. He couldn't lay a glove on Devin Haney. Regis Progray will never recover from that. Mark my words. Uh, what turned you on on the undercard? Liam Parrow's stoppage submission. Submission. Stop <laughs> submission. Stoppage of Put a uh, chalk on him. Of Montana Montana Love. That's a big win, that. Yeah, Montana is. Love, I know, was coming into the fight on the back of a defeat. But well disqualification, wasn't it? It was the one the way he, he, he launched he the sprung the fella launched the bar. over the fence, Stevie yeah. Sparks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was a bit of a statement for me. A big statement, and of course, you know, all glory to the greatness that is Andy Cruz, who by the way is also in the mix in this lightweight, super lightweight superstar mix up because two fights in Cuban looks absolutely just poetry emotion, man. Absolutely beautiful. Mm. Yeah, man. Ebony got uh, well and truly beaten, didn't she? Yeah. Resoundly beaten by a, a, a solid fighter in the Japanese. Former champion, weight division yeah. yeah, she came for it, man. She came she for it and took it. Absolutely well came for it. She took her at late notice as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late replacement. Um, yeah, but the star of the show, without any shadow of a doubt, was Devin Haney yeah. uh, from San Francisco. Congratulations to him. What a performance, sir. Uh, I was in Bournemouth on Sunday. Yeah, it looked good. Went down to the South Coast. Mate, do you know something? I threw it on the telly and my missus was like, tell you what, the atmosphere looks mega in Bournemouth. I was like, yeah. Mental, innit? Yeah. Bournemouth. Sunday night in when, Bournemouth. Well, when who, I wanna, who knew? Well, when I was a kid. Knew? I thought it was all fish and chips and cockles. Mate, it was. It is. I, I used to go down there for summer holidays with the Did family. You, yeah, yeah It's a bit of a hike from Blackburn. That was that, that our thing, mate. South Coast. I've never been. I've never been further south than yeah. Berkshire. That's because you're middle class, isn't it? I've never been to Cornwall or. Yeah, but you used like to that. go on your foreign holidays, didn't you? I never got on a plane till I was 14. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Good lad. I'll tell you, man. Proper. From, from the fucking streets, me, lad. But we Proper. used to do uh, Bournemouth, New Quay, Torquay. Never been to any of the keys. You've been serious? Yeah, I've never been, yeah. Proper job. Anyway, Bournemouth. Yeah. Beautiful. Big gay scene, apparently, Bournemouth, aren't it? Not Brighton. Oh, is that Brighton? Sorry, yeah. Similar, similar it's not the same place. Line. It's like miles Is away. It similar coastline. It's on the south coast. Yeah, it's the same thing to me. I'm from the north, aren't I? Fuck you, no. pardon his ignorance. <laughs> the, um, um, but yeah, sea atmosphere looked mega. Seaside town resort, beautiful in the summer. During the winter, I don't think it gets a lot of people, you know, rocking on down there as tourists and what have you. But it's a beautiful place to live. Harry Redknapp lives down there and what have you. There's a few oh, that's right. There's that like millionaire bank. Sam Banks, it's called. Yeah, on the telly, yeah. yeah. Nice little gaff. Mm -hmm. Any road. Chris Bill and Smith just put deposit down on one down there. Well, probably after the put what he's putting together. I t mate, I tell you what, we've we've been lucky enough. I mean, you've been lucky enough, especially in Liverpool, being around a lot of local lads fighting in front of local fan bases, yeah. building local vibes. Similar with Manchester, and you could you could dot around the country of all these random places where there's a big following for one person that is doing it from their area. Mm -hmm. 
Chris Billum Smith in Bournemouth, it's mad. It's absolutely mad. Like the most random of people throughout the course of the week speak to you about stuff. I only went down for 24 hours, right? Taxi driver gets in the car. What are you down here for, mate? Boxing tonight. Billum Smith, straight into a conversation with me. Gets out, goes to the news agents to get me snacks as everybody sent me eating me snacks at the weekend. The woman behind the counter, oh, you're, your accent's not from around here. Where, where are you from? Tell, what are you doing in town? Thinking, why are you down here? It's bloody pissing down yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in, you're in not Bournemouth. You're not I'm down for the boxing. Bill and Smith, every man and his dogs on the Bill and Smith train in Bournemouth. It's absolute, it's madness. Okay. So then when you go to the international centre, Obviously, I was lucky enough earlier on in the year to go to uh, the Vitality, where they all came out for him then. But in the International Centre, it's a not a weird setup. It's do you know the Three Arena in uh, yes. Dublin, where it's uh, one side is where the ring walk is, and then it's like three sides around the ring, like a horseshoe type. Yeah, thing. and then it's all up like that, and then it all looks down towards the ring down there. That's yeah. basically the same setup in the International Centre. So you walk in there, and you're thinking it's a bit, of a th it's a bit theatre esque. Mm. Like there's a show going on on the stage, right? Mm -hmm. But Obviously, Undercard's doing whatever, whatever it's doing. It's ticking along, and you're thinking, right, okay, fucking hell. Lee Cutler was on there, local lad again. All of a sudden, these people came from nowhere when Lee Cutler was on. So Mega. they're all singing on the bloody balconies. It's all going wild. And then by the time it got to Billum Smith versus Matthias Masternike, and bear in mind, Masternike brought shitloads of fans from Poland. Shitloads. The atmosphere in there was the Polish fans do turn out like mate it was unbelievable loads of London based Poles yeah. there I bet you listen it was unbelievable deafening come across on TV it looked unbelievable it looked cracker deafening noise they, and he fucking needed them mate yeah he did yeah they, he, because he got fucked <laughs> well he won the fight but he no, was but getting he, got, he, he was losing he, yeah he was he was losing I don't care what the judges scorecards say what did they say I didn't see the TV well ones. one of them had it level I know that uh, seven rounds level but did he have a 10-10 in there or something? He must have done, yeah. Steve missed the pouring pour water into a two glasses grey. I did 67-67 by the time of the stoppage. Hmm. So He was sat in front of me as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah, but he wasn't. He was losing the fight. I, I, after seven rounds, I did 5-2. Uh, I only give Chris Billum Smith two rounds. One of them was the first round, and I think it was. And that was tight. Was probably the seventh round, the late, the last round before the stoppage, obviously, with the body shot, which ultimately led to Masternak quitting. Fam great champions find a way. Let's not get away from that point before we start saying, ah, you know, he got lucky there because he was losing the fight, no. and he didn't get lucky, man. Great champions find a way, and what Chris Billum Smith did was his back was against the wall. He faced adversity. Yeah. He stared it down, and he went right. The only way I'm going to do this now is by fucking letting my hands go. And he started letting his hands go. And finally, against the guy that's... I know Masternak was only 36 and Bill Smith 33, but Masternak, with the amount of fights, this was a 53rd professional fight. A lot of miles on the clock. A lot of training camps in those legs. It's about getting to the body. Get to that body. Slow him down, especially when he starts to fight the way he does. Masternak was bouncing all over the place like a 21-year-old. High as a kite. First ever world title fight. I'm taking this fucker back to Poland with me. And caught Chris Billum-Smith off a little bit. I think Chris looked nervous. He looked a little bit gun-shy early on. He looked like the occasion got to him a little bit. All stuff that's important. That This is, this is part of the experience. Part of learning. Now part of becoming a proper champion. But he overcome that by finding the shot that matters. Was I shocked that Masternak spewed it? Because he did spew it. He spewed it. He sat on his stool. He refused to come on for round number eight. Was I surprised in his only world title fight after 50-odd professional fights? Yes, I was. However, 
I've also had the damaged rib in my life, and I was curled up like a fetus on bed for about two days, crying like a baby. Mm. That's how painful it was. But I'm not a professional fighter. I'm not a prize fighter that spent an entire life trying to be, get a world title fight. Got a world title fight. Five rounds up in the eye. Well, maybe not on the judges' scorecards, but, but winning is ahead. The world title's coming with you. And he gets a, suffers broken ribs or whatever it was, suffers damaged ribs, and decides not to come out for round number eight. So, that did surprise me. Yeah, but everything you've said right, right? But also... He's thrown the kitchen sink at this fella, right? True. Two. A three, bit like the other kid four, the other week. Five. Who fought at uh, Gavin Gwynn, uh, the Italian oh, kid. Mate, exactly like that. Marcelli. He's thrown the kitchen sink at him. Not left. And might not have necessarily nothing left, but Billum Smith has just come back stronger in the seventh. Correct. You've, you've, he's battered him. Let's yes. be straight. He's yeah. battered him. And you're thinking, fucking hell, Chris, come on, man. You've got you to get going, pal. So, Masternak. He's, he's in top gear, going all at it, successful. I can't fucking flush the guy. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Shit, he's come at me now. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Smash me to the ribs. I think there's a, a, a tiny little bit. Broke him. Yeah, well, Broke he, him. Yeah, he did. He stole his soul. And Masternach, never been stopped before. Well, he, he has. In the, he got pulled out in the 11th. Never yeah, been yeah, knocked yeah. out. Yeah, been yeah, stopped yeah, it, yeah. Been stopped on his feet before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For Masternach to quit like that, for... for Chris Billum Smith to stop him, stop him in that That's fashion big. is huge. That is a huge, huge performance. So coming away from the fact, yes, he's losing on the scorecards. Yes, he's there. Yes, Richard Viakpo's sitting ringside and he's laughing and everyone's jibing and going, oh, maybe Billum Smith isn't all that. I mean, I'm more impressed that he comes back yeah. from that adversity. Yep. I'm more impressed that Chris can turn up, have the worst start to a fight he's ever had in his career and yet managed to find the shot, find the finish yeah. to retain his world title. That, for me, proved... Put, I put Chris Billum-Smith on another level. Because yeah. I know he can grind it. I know he can win rounds. I know he can beat you know, quality fighters like Akoli. I know he's got good game planning. I know all that. What I want to know about Chris Billum-Smith is, when on his worst night and the shit at the fan, can he, he man the fuck way. up and prove he's a champion? What we did on Sunday in Bournemouth, he did exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, man, and I also like the attitude as well of, of taking that for your first defence. You could have had a tick over. Fucking right. You know, boxing's Absolutely. full of this shit. Absolutely. It's yeah. full of that stuff where, yeah, go on, I'll have a homecoming. Yeah. I'll have a little bit of a dance in front of Christmas, go and get a little payday. No, man, Chris Billum Smith was the person who went, that's the guy. Yeah. What? That's lunacy. Mm -hmm. Do that. That's what I want to do. And like you just said, he comes out there absolutely shining off the back of uh, the victory. Not the performance, but the victory, and you get that question answered. The lad's got massive stones and he's willing to go to certain places in order to get the get the fight done. Yeah. Sets up the React Poor fight now for me. I know that maybe Billum Smith will be thinking, let's do a unification, let's see if I can get this, let's see if I can get that. But React Poor's the fight. Of course it is. He's got a defeat against him. So exactly. go and get it. Go and get it, man. Get you, that you're riding back. an unbelievable crest. There's nowhere else to do it other than bloody Bournemouth. Absolutely. Go and do it in Bournemouth. Get them fans yeah. behind you once again. Richard Rappos, the challenger. If he wants the piece of that pie, you sign on the dotted line, mate, and you go go down to Bournemouth and see if you can take it out of the champion's hands. Because you're going to have to go some that night in order to do it. Because that dude, he ain't fucking going to get He ain't giving that up lightly. He ain't giving that belt up lightly. And that's what impressed me most of all. You're right. Rappos is the fight. Obviously, there's Jaya Pattaya fighters, the unification fight. Hopefully, that comes later in the year for one of those guys. Did you, see, you, know did you see all that Jaya Pattaya Did you see all that Jaya Pattaya stuff, by the way? Um, so he's scheduled to fight um, Ellis Zorro, isn't he? 23rd. On the 23rd, but the IBF won't sanction it. Because they say, oh, Zorro's not up for it. 
No, because they're saying that uh, he has to fight his mandated challenger, which is Maris Bredis. Right. So they're basically saying to um, to Jair Pataya, if you if you go ahead with this, we're not sanctioning it. We'll take your belt off you, and Maris Bredis will be uh, fighting for the belt. Now, if Jair Pataya is watching this, you don't need the fucking belt, mate. No, you don't. You're the man. <laughs> You've beaten the dude, right? You did it with Broken Joe. We know that you're the guy. Yep. Every single boxing fan is going to support you with this decision if you decide to do it because you are the guy. You've proved you're the guy. You've got the Ring Magazine belt number one. That tells us who the fucking guy is. Mm -hmm. You've got an opportunity on December 23rd to go and earn yourself a shitload of money. Go and do that. Yep. All right. Okay. It's a fight that doesn't really turn us all on against Ellis. Or no. no disrespect. I believe. I personally believe that you're levels above Ellis. This is a big opportunity for Ellis to go and show that, you you're know, not that I'm fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't think I am, but that's his opportunity. From your point of view, you know you're the number one. Go and get this fight out of the way and then get on the train for what we're just talking about here, the Billum Smiths and the other champions that are in, uh, yeah. that are holding these other, other belts. Go and make the big fight. Just like we see with Amanda Serrano. Don't be held to ransom. There's a line in the sand, belt. man. Fuck them. The dog wags the tail, not the other way around. There's too many of these belts, there's too many of these promoters, too many of these broadcasters wagging the dog. They are the tail. You are the dog. You tell them what you want. If Jay Pataya wants to fucking lash that belt in the bin, do it. Do it, man. 100% do it. You are the number one. You are the world number one. You are the man. Until someone beats the man, you will stay as the world number one. There Quite you. clearly. There you go. Anyway, just wanted to bring that up because it's... Uh the a couple of, obviously there was a couple of points decisions. Michael McKinson doing Michael McKinson things. The atmosphere looked great when Lee Cutler won on points as well. Yeah, I want to ask you what the atmosphere was like inside the arena when Ben Whitaker was showboating Oof, and he got booed. Did he? Yeah. So because I'm watching from home and I'm like, I get it, Ben. It's all about flash pizzazz. I really like the kid. I, he looks a million dollars. He's got so much talent. He come out to the last Olympic Games. We picked him out on here. We were like, this is yeah. the guy. This is the, the kid that's going to make the most waves coming out of that Olympic team. Still believe that. Even though he's a silver medalist. I still, still believe it. I, I completely do. But when you're going in there with guys that really you would never use as a sparring partner and you're blind boxing and just showboating and messing around and all that, and it does get a little bit tedious. Do you know what I mean? And I'm a big fan of that. Uh, we grew up with Naz. Yeah. You know, he was, Naz was our hero. So I love all that. <clears throat> There's a difference about doing that against a world level or a European level opponent, going in there with a Stevie Robinson in Cardiff and showboating and finishing and becoming a, a champion and doing it to Kevin Kelly in New York and yeah, becoming yeah, a world yeah. champion. There's a big difference between doing it then and doing it at this level. And that's not to say Naz didn't do the showboating at a lower level he as did, well. He did. Because he, he did. did. But... And he took the piss. He did. And that, and that was what that was at the weekend. In the, in the immediacy, because I was doing the commentary of it, right? I slagged it off, right? And I said, it's disrespectful. You're taking the piss out of someone that's obviously far below you when it comes to levels. And you're not taking this moment seriously enough, right? Now the dust has settled on it and I've thought about it. I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever played with a lad in a football team that was a, that's a bit of a prat, like a proper joker, always messing about on the pitch, and but then plays unbelievably. There were a lad at my Mater. school. Was it? Yeah. Right. There were a lad at my school, played centre-half, right? And he was idiot, like fucking pulling kecks down on pitch, all that. So, this is you, is it? Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolute fucking moron he was. Complete and utter moron. And I always used to say in our team, if he fucking took it seriously, he could be a pro. 
It could be a, if he took it seriously, it'd be a pro. But where's the fun in that? Right. That's how he plays. He needs that fucking mental chaos in order to play to the levels that he played at. Now, ultimately, Ben Whitaker comes away from this at the weekend with the viral moment that we all want. Exactly. He delivers a sensational knockout. Does he get the sensational knockout without dicking about? Now, my argument for it would be no, because that's him. Mm -hmm. that's, that's his chaos. That's his comfort. Mm -hmm. For us, it don't work. For other fighters, it don't work. They are taking the piss. He's not taking the piss. He's doing something in a way to make his opponent think a certain way. Yeah. He wants to embarrass his opponent. He wants to get his opponent to be sloppy. That's how he's opening him up. When it got down to business, once he'd fucked about for nine minutes, when he got down to business in the fourth, maybe after receiving the reaction from the fans that didn't fully understand it, and I was one of them, mm -hmm. look what he did. Yeah, yeah. He just went like that. Right through the gears, and it was like fucking. The hell, finish mate. was absolutely chilling. It, it was absolutely outstanding. Just rolled back and then bang. bang. Now I don't know if he's gonna do that as these levels progress. I don't know if he's gonna. I think. I think he will. I think he'll do the. Ring I don't walks. think he'll. I, I don't think, think he'll suddenly become an upright boxer with his no. guard. He's throwing out no, a single. But I don't jab. think he's gonna be looking over. This here is who he is. Do like this, is he? I don't think he's gonna be doing that. I don't know. I think he'll try and do that uh, uh, up until a certain point. Yeah, because Naz. Never changed his style when he became a world champion. He was still Naz. He was still flamboyant. Yeah. He was still dancing in there. He was still popping out that left shoulder shot without looking. And he was still slipping and sliding. Dancing. And dancing around and all that. He, that's who he was. And I think Ben Whitaker will always have that about him. That's why my big curiosity... Because it's one thing watching it at home when your missus is shopping on an iPad sitting next to you and you're having a, a, a glass of beer and you're making sure the kids aren't fucking about because they're supposed to be in bed. Watching it, engaging with it, kind of going like... How do I feel about this? Yeah. And I'm kind of like, when Naz did this when I was younger, I loved it. So I wondered how the arena, the arena loving it. Do you know what I mean? When like the rise of, because I'm watching it a bit like, uh, come on, man. <laughs> Get, you know, step forward, put your foot down. Yeah. Do something. And that was the reaction in the audience. Where he, he was carrying the guy to play with the guy. So at home, and I was embarrassing. Like, I think yeah. they were reacting to, stop taking the piss out of him, man. He's obviously yeah. not on your level. That's, I got a bit of that at home. Right. So I think that was the reaction to the crowd. The minute he took it seriously, it was absolutely outstanding. But again, in the moment, I reacted in a way where I like, I don't like this. Come on, man, do the serious shit. The, the finish was tremendous. Yeah. Now I've gone away and I've thought about it. I've thought, hang on, this is the fucking entertainment business, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Be you, be authentic. 100%. That is that's him. who he is. That is him. He exactly. Is. That's how he operates. He's a fucking lunatic. He's the nicest kid you'll ever meet, by the way. When you speak to him, he's so polite, so respectful. Speaks to When he leaves the arena, he speaks to everybody, stops for pictures with fans, all that type of shit. He is fucking pucker, absolutely bang on. But he's being 100% him. And that's all we ask of these fighters, do you, don't do we? Do you think, because when Naz moved up to European level, when Naz moved up to a certain level and was doing that, he got way more love. Yeah. People adored him for Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to be the same with Ben. I think as Ben gets to a British title level, which hopefully isn't too far away, because he's got so much gotta talent, move him now, so much pedigree. You've got to get him going. You've got to get him in with some domestic level names who people have seen before and seen win before to get Ben in and go, okay, right, he's doing it to that guy. Wow, okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't know many light heavyweights in Britain who would put their hand up for Ben Whitaker. 
and fewer still that'd be like, oh, wait a minute. If you're going to pay me to get embarrassed by him on TV, mm. I won't fucking pay him for it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the issue they're going to have with Ben Whitaker, absolutely. Mm. Speaking about issues, again, I, I don't want to beat anybody that's winning and winning and winning emphatically. But I've seen Lauren Price have six professional fights now. Yep. And they've all merged into one. Yep. It's the same thing over yep. and over. And I think she either needs to be moved to world level qu- rapidly. Yep. Or I need to see something else. Because I just see her win every round, comfortably, same way. Nothing changes. And I'm, uh, I'm bored of it already. Sorry. And, um, yeah. I've, I've nothing to add on that because I commented on, on the weekend and she's technically good. I, I want her to go through the gears. Yeah. Come on, man. As you say, it's an, it's an entertainment business. But, but my, again, they're my, chalk and cheese, my, my, it, my conclusion with it afterwards was when she fights someone that wants to beat her, mm-hmm. properly wants to, and believes that they can beat her, there'll be gaps. Yeah, yeah. So will yeah. she find those gaps and then, and then those moments might come good point but right now let's it's get her there bit. quick because I'm bored to death yeah fair enough yeah. fair enough mate um, that was the weekend wonderful weekend of boxing as we keep telling you it's for some reason we're all happy in the world of boxing right now aren't we I know that you you come here for two miserable fellas just moaning about stuff all the time two no, miserable man. our fellas it's, uh, it's been great. It's been we great do to love it. At- yeah, it's been great to attend some of this stuff as well. Uh, and we roll on nicely into this week. Now, this week's a little bit difficult for us to be fully across everything, so we apologise. But we're going to give you a two P's worth anyway, right? Because there's a couple of fights that are really interesting to us. Um, we're in Las Vegas at the moment, just in case you've just tuned into uh, to the podcast. Um, and we're here for the UFC. But 100%, there will be a monitor somewhere whilst I am consuming this UFC content at the weekend, to watch what is going to go down in the flyweight division between Mr. Jesse Rodriguez and Mr. Sonny Edwards. Cannot wait. In January, we uh, we made a list of fights that are dream fights. What do you want to see this year? And of course, we stuck fucking heavyweights on there. We had Bivol Baturbiev on yeah. there and all this type of stuff. Some of the fights have come off. We got Spence Crawford, didn't we? Yeah. Wickedy wick. Now, Wickedy wicked. we are getting this bad boy. This was on our list that uh, when we were making a fight for Sonny Edwards, what was it? And don't get me wrong, there was plenty of protagonists that you could put him in with, but Jesse Bam Rodriguez was the guy. I do you know like last week when we sat here and we went, Devin Haney is going to school Regis Progre. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in this. Evening. No, I have no idea. This is a genuinely fifth eye, fifth eye. Because and the reason for it is because you do have Matador Bull to an extent. Yes. But the bull can dance. Yes. And the bull creates angles and the bull has decent feet. Fuck. Mate, it's such a good fight, isn't it? It's incredible. And, um, you know, this is what, again, this is what boxing should look like. And this is why we're happy. This is why there's no moaning. There's no bitching. Because we are getting the fights that we want to see. And this is absolutely one of the marquee fights of the year. Because of the flyweights, they may not get the attention that they deserve. But Glendale, Arizona this weekend hosts two of the very best world champions on the planet right now. And someone's O has got to go. Oh, you've gone buffer on me. And, and, and Sonny Edwards, Someone listen. Sonny is 20 fights go. unbeaten. And yes, he's only got handful of knockouts on there but that's not how Sonny fights nope. Sonny is a stylist Sonny is a technician Sonny hardly gets hit and he embarrasses people with one-sided shutouts in world title fights 
He is the consummate professional, no stone unturned, and he is a delight to watch. On the other side of the ring is an 18-0 fighter with a shitload of knockouts that has jumped around weight divisions and won world titles as well. That was uh, one of the fighters of the year, was it last year, when he jumped up to Superfly and won the yeah. belt? And yeah, yeah. Just absolutely incredible stuff from Bam Rodriguez. It's like a dream case scenario. And in my mind, I keep hearing Sonny say to us when we sat and interviewed him that time, and he said, I just want to be in fights where I believe there's jeopardy, where I actually believe I can lose because I don't think any of these guys can beat me. He knows Jesse Rodriguez can beat him. Mm -hmm. He knows Bam Rodriguez can beat him. And we could see in this fight Sonny Edwards losing rounds. And if he's losing rounds, he might make take chances that he wouldn't usually take. And if he gets tagged by Bam Red Jesse Rodriguez, he can get hit. Sonny has spent his career fighting guys who can punch because he's always associated as being the non-puncher. But Bam can box as well. Bam could outbox him at times, which is mad because I didn't think we'd, we'd see anybody in and around flyweight outbox Sonny Edwards. I thought that generation of the Chocolatitos, the Rung Versailles, are probably just gone. This is the new generation, these guys. Bam is either the best out there or Sonny's the best out there. We're going to find out on Saturday. Who is the best flyweight on the planet? I think it's an awesome fight, man. Credit to both fellas for getting it on. Credit to the promoter, Mr. Hearn, for, for putting it on. Um... It's also an opportunity for Sonny to announce himself to an American audience. Of course. Um, I think all of them know exactly who Jesse Bam Rodriguez is. Um, and it's just so good. I mean, the week after, we're going to get the super fight as well in also one of the small fellas as well, aren't we? We uh, Inoue and Tapales going at it on, uh, on Boxing Day. Mm -hmm. It's just nice to be able to shine that light on these lads at the, in the lower weight divisions who are supremely, supremely talented. Um, We've seen Sonny drop before. Mm -hmm. And we've seen him come back to win, yes. of course. I think there's jeopardy in this, mate. Of course there is. I think there's but jeopardy in this, but he's good enough. I think when we've seen Sonny drop before, it's when he's been cruising and he's took his eye off the ball. I don't believe Sonny thinks for a second he can switch off against Bam. Do you think he's the underdog, Sonny Edwards? Yeah. Bear in mind it's in Arizona. I think yeah. that's a big element. I think he will start as the underdog. I don't think he'll be a massive underdog, but I think he does start as underdog. But you know what? I believe Sonny Edwards is going to win. I think he's going to find a way to win because that's what he does. Unfortunately, that's what Jesse Rodriguez does as well. But I believe Sonny Edwards can find a way to win this fight. Get enough rounds in the bank. It's going to be close. Could be the first in a series of fights. Mm. But I think he could. I think he gets his arm raised at the weekend. I really do. We're going to get some mad scorecards. Yeah, we are. The scorecards are going to be absolutely all over the place. So it'll be interesting to know. At this point in time, there's no idea who the officials are. But I'm going to... If I was to give advice to anybody this weekend, Sonny off the deck to win. Yeah. I, I don't think Sonny gets dropped. I don't think he gets dropped. Do you not? I think he's going to be too switched on. Too switched on. He won't take the chances he's taken against other fighters. He knows how hard Bam Rodriguez hits. I don't think Sonny... Sonny is too elusive to get caught and stand in front of Bam Rodriguez. Oh, mate, he's such a good fight. But Bam is such a good boxer that I think it's going to be a 50-50 fight. It's gonna, fight. It's, I, I've got Sonny winning it, like, 7-5, 8-4. It's going to be close. Oh, mate. It's going to be close. There's going to be a lot it's of conversations a naughty, in the naughty fight. It's a naughty fight. Uh, but it's what we're here for. 
It's what I we're here for. So make sure uh, you're tuning in uh, to it. What's on the undercard? I haven't had a nose the two, the Well, the two McGrails are on the undercard. Joe, both Joe McGrail and Peter McGrail are boxing on the undercard. So a nice way to finish there. Joe McGrail's in a, in a, with an opponent, with all due respect to his opponent, who's won two of his last six. One draw and three defeats in there. So I'd expect Joe to come through against what you would consider in America a club-level fighter. Peter McGrail's in a proper fight. He's in a 10-rounder against Jarico O'Quinn, who may not be too familiar, but he's got a six and... Uh, He's got a 16-1-1 one one professional record, only defeated once. But I remember O'Quinn from back in the day. He's fought in the American Golden Gloves many times. He's fought, in, he fought for America. He might have even fought in the World Boxing Series. So a very ex, very established American international amateur mm. boxer. Now pro, only one defeat in, in 18 fights. So he's got the talent there. Of course, we know where Peter McGrail is. When you talk about amateur credentials, can kid been world number one and everything else. Um, even though it's only seven fights into Peter McGrail, or eight fights, nine fights, ten fights into Peter McGrail's career, single-figure fights, he, I fancy him to come through with this one. It's a good opponent for him, even though O'Quinn has, has, has won a bunch since that one defeat on his record. Cool. Um, before it, by the way, because that's all that's the zone. It's not a pay-per-view or anything, is it? No, that's the zone. I'm getting live confused from Glendale, Arizona. The week after the zone pay-per-view with the Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Uh, Otto Wallen thing. Um, st still on the zone because earlier on a British time zone, Josh Kelly's back in action. Yeah, big fan uh, of Josh Kelly. Uh, every now and again, we have a little bit of uh, a chat, see how we see how he's getting on. Because about two years ago, he went through a bit of a dark time off the back of the Avanesian defeat. Yeah, question whether he wanted to carry on doing this mad game. Obviously, split with. His promoter went down a different road. He's now we uh, Wasserman. Um, obviously, still working with Adam Booth. They've got a brand spanking new uh, gym that they're working in there, uh, and he seems to have really got himself back to a good, happy place. His performances, especially the one against Troy Williamson, was absolutely outstanding. Yes, it was. Um, this at the weekend is the first time as a pro that he's fighting in Sunderland. Mm. So that just shows what Wasserman and does on to an extent believe in him obviously go on then we'll go and do something in your hometown and we'll try and build something around you which I think is a really good thing um, Josh was always that guy coming out of that Olympic cycle where yeah I like this kid man he's got that flashy stuff we'll just be thinking about Ben Whitaker, aren't we of course he's got that flashy stuff he does stuff a little bit different you know what yeah. I mean he's um, a star yeah he does he does have that star factor and I think he was um, on the receiving end of a bad attitude towards him from taking a risky fight and losing it. Yeah. There's nothing time. wrong there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking a proper fight, losing it, dusting yourself off, going again. We said at the time, I'm glad he did that. Yeah. Because I want to see what you're all about, that man. Yeah. Come and bounce back. Well, he's bounced back well. He's put in the Williamson performance, which I thought was tremendous. Yeah. I know that this is a switch of a opponent. He was he was supposed to be fighting the ranked South African fella. Is it Roick or something mm -hmm. like that? That was who he was originally uh fighting. That fell off because Roy pulled out the fight. He's now taking on a hard-hitting Colombian fella. They all are, aren't they? Placido Ramirez. Decent. He's got a decent record on him. He has been cracking some people out, but I think that's made for Josh. If I'm dead honest, yeah, of course. That's made for Josh's style. He Kids is elusive. He's going to come out and start swinging. Yeah, he's going to leave himself open, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Josh gets him from mid to late rounds. Yeah, but I'm glad that he's back on this train. He's making some proper noise. I think he's the number one with the WBO, Josh, mm -hmm. at Super Welter. 
He's highly ranked with WBC. Now the, now the WBO guy is Tim Zhu. Yeah. Now he is the fucking guy. Yeah, For yeah. me, at one five four, he is the guy. So if you're going to try and win a world champion, not only are you going to beat the guy of the division, you might even get you know, uh, maybe uh, Tim Zhu can pick up a ring magazine belt in the in the meantime of all that because that's a that's a monster monster fight. Yes. Uh, if Josh Kelly can can get that or maybe go down the other route with whatever the Charlos are doing. I think he's on the cusp of something really good for 2024 is what I'm trying to say with Josh Kelly. He's got himself back on the horse. He's back at a level now. I, I anticipate that he's going to come through at the weekend and then who knows, he might get mandated for uh, a shot at Tim Zoo, which yeah. is very fucking tough. Don't get me wrong, it's very tough. The um, I'm just having a look, a look at Ramirez's recent fights there. You know, he's got a couple of losses on there, but he's very active fighter. Yeah. He's had two, four, six, he's had seven fights this year already. Mate, he's on TV at the weekend. And he's, he's won them all, Ramirez. There you go. So he's 7-0 for 2023. Uh, sorry, he's 6-0 for 2023. His last fight was declared a no contest mid-fight. Because the fans climbed in the ring and started punching Ramirez. He was obviously away from home. So he's obviously a little bit of a truculent character, a turbulent character. So that should be interested him dropping in the uh, in the tiny town of Sunderland. Uh, and I can say that because I lived not too far away in South Shields. What a, what, one thing I, c I can lived. say... Lived. Lived. Yeah, confusing briefly. people. Yeah, lived. <laughs> one thing I will say is, we talked about Chris Bill and Smith at the top of the show, galvanising the community and building something Perfect. there. Sunderland, with all due respect, does fuck all there. Like, literally nothing. And the football team's crap. Like, this is an opportunity for Josh Kelly to grab his hometown community and go, listen, I'll give you something to get excited about. I'll put shows on here two or three times a year. I'll climb to world title level. Agreed. We'll do a full Chris Dillman Smith. We'll have a fucking fine old time. And I'll tell you what, that's a lovely coastline as well. You know, you ever been up that way? The old northeast coastline, South Shields, uh, Sunderland area. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful bit of the world up there. You've just, you've just said it was rubbish. No, the town of Sunderland's rubbish, yeah. <laughs> but the beaches are nice. Apologies to people from Sunderland that do tune into the show. They know. They live there. They know it's crap. I think Sunderland's all right. Liar. Have you ever been on a night out in Sunderland? No. Exactly. You don't want to. Have you? Yeah. I lived in South Shields for a year. Terrible. Terrible place. Anyway, Josh Kelly's fighting in Sunderland this weekend, so if you're in the local Enjoy. area, buy yourself a ticket. Go and have a little yeah. bit of nosy down. Because Eyeball the kid can shots do a bit. and all that. What? That's what the bars are like. You know, like they, do the shots little, through the eyeball. No, they, they 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 sell shots and test tubes and all that. Honestly, it's like the, it's like the eighties up there. Anyway, yeah, enjoy. When it. was the last time you were in Sunderland? Uh, the eighties. There you go. Right, you can't make ago. big accusations about, about a town ago. that you've not visited in the last <laughs> ten years. Did you just say <laughs> you can't make an accusation like that? Then it hasn't got better. It hasn't got better. How do you know? Honestly, anyone that's watching this, listening to this, who's from Sunderland. Listen, man, you know, we know. No, New we don't know. New don't New tag me in. Newcastle's a metro right away for a reason. Okay, <laughs> no. okay, Honestly, no. one of the worst nights out I've ever had. Worse than Cardiff, because you've slagged Cardiff <laughs> off on this show as well. <laughs> what else have you had a go at? If it's not Liverpool, you just... New York? He's dig New York out on here? Manhattan, yeah. See, the, the, Sunderland, don't take it to, to heart what he's just said, right? Because he hates New York, and New York's <laughs> fucking wicked. On that note. On that note, let's indeed. go and get a beer. There you go. Um, we are going to be bringing you the MMA show tomorrow. So this, the time that this is going out now in the UK, 
This time tomorrow is when the MMA programme will go out. Yes, we'll have a little bit of a reflect back at the PFL from the weekend just gone. We'll also have a little bit of a, a delve into what happened at the Apex. But more importantly, we're looking ahead to UFC 296. So come and join us for that. The Diaries are coming up thick and fast. They're going to be going out in the evenings. We've had a little bit of a trot around the uh, UFC PI today with the main man. That's right. Anyway, more on that. Uh, on the diary so make sure you tune into it by subscribing to our youtube channel fight disciples is what you are looking for and we have all the audio feeds under the sun on fightdisciples.com go and get yourself stuck into that thank you very much for tuning in we'll catch you next time thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via itunes